Welcome to the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast. I'm Lance Wakefield, and today I'm here with Tamara Gady. She's from Lawyer's Title here in Frisco, Texas, and she's an expert at getting title cleared, doing title work specifically for investors. So we've done a lot of deals with Tamara over the years and uh, her company, and so we're going to pick through kind of how that works. But Tamara's a little different than a lot of other invest. Um, excuse me, than a lot of other title companies. She's also an investor. So she owns some properties, and we're going to talk through that with her as well. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for coming thanks. on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, you actually interviewed me on your podcast, I don't know, three months ago or so? Actually, great. I did my podcast in your studio. Yeah, we did it here in my old studio. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was actually one of the first podcasts we did. You so. know, and I, it's, I'm, I'm used to being the interviewer, not the interviewee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Well, yep, this is going to be a, a new adventure today. So... Um, I want to start by kind of going through and talking about your investments, actually. Yeah. So you have bought, rehabbed, and are renting out. Are they their long-term rentals? They're all buy and holds, yeah. So, and and you you went through this whole process on your own. So I just wanted to start by like digging into like, how did you find these deals? Let's just start there. Where, okay. Where'd you find these deals? So my first one was actually the first house I lived in. Okay. And when I bought it, I had the idea of it becoming a, a rental at some point. So I lived in the house for several years, and then I moved in 2016 up to McKinney, mm -hmm. um, and th that was my first rental. Okay. Now, I didn't do a thing to it. <laughs> no. I just put a tenant in it, and I was managing it myself. Um, I found out after the second rental that I no longer wanted to manage them myself. Yep. It's pretty normal. <laughs> I'm not good at managing property either. But that was the first one. I moved to McKinney. I bought that house thinking it was going to become a rental, but the one in McKinney. Mm-hmm. And but that was 2018 when I moved out of that one, and the market was flat. Yeah. Um. And so with the amount of money that I had in the property, when it wasn't appreciate, it wasn't appreciating like it, things are yeah. today, right? And so the rents just didn't match up with the mortgage payment, mm -hmm. and I thought I could maybe take a loss on it, but it was my second one, so that was too scary to me at the time. Yeah. Was still learning, right? Yeah. Well, negative cash flow is pretty much always bad. Like I would across the board say, don't do it. I mean, if it's 20 or $30 a month negative mm -hmm. cash flow and that's all of your expenses, maybe if you're very confident in appreciation and you have others to back it up. Yeah. But ah, I just, negative cash flow is just bad news typically. I'm in negative cash flow on two properties. Okay. I just used to do that. Well, the first one, the property is in Sherman. Okay. And then, well, uh -huh, appreciation. That's all I was looking at. Everything that's coming to Sherman. Yep. Um, it's, it's minimal, like 20 bucks a month or something yeah. like that. So, and I know that it'll catch up eventually, mm -hmm. but the colony house. So I have always done the Burr method. Yeah. And, but, but last summer interest rates doubled. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough for me too. <laughs> and so that was my last property that I had equity tied up, money tied up in. I made the decision to go ahead and cash out refi in December. I doubled my interest rate. I had to sign all kinds of disclosures that I knew yeah. what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I took two years of negative cash flow, put that back into that account so the property can take care of itself for two years. Then I took the remaining funds and put them into a different investment that will has a higher ROI 
will allow me to be my own bank in the future and will provide me with yeah. passive income at retirement. So to me, that made sense. Yeah, there's a plan around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, just so everyone knows, can you explain the Burr method? Yeah. Buy. Hold on. I got to make sure I got the R's in, in a row. Buy, renovate, rent, refi. Did I get all the R's? Repeat. Repeat. Yes. Yep. Well, the repeats kind of was out the window at yeah. some point for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Because everything's at 3.5% interest yes. rate. That's, I mean, that's the method that I've used to buy all my property mm -hmm. is that that same method, it works well. You you add value to the property, enables you to generally, for me, almost always pull all my money out. Um, there's been times where I've had to leave some money in, but there's also been times where I've been paid, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 grand mm -hmm. to keep the property. Sure. It's like, yes, sir, I yes. will do that. Um, so I love that method. It's one of the greatest methods for building wealth. It is a lot of work, yep. but, um, the, the wealth that comes from that is, can be pretty astronomical. Now there's two little caveats to that. The first one is I've never done it on my primary residence. Mm -hmm. I have never refied cash. I refied my primary residence for whatever reason. It's a security thing for me. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is that don't do it too many times <laughs> because mm -hmm. If you refi a property too many times, every time you're raising the mortgage payment, yeah. right? Yeah. And so at some point, the cash flow is no longer there. You 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 just erode at your cash flow, especially with rising taxes today. So my rule of thumb is one time and then it won't be revisited, if ever, mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. Yeah. I have sort of the same, I have a, actually, I have a little bit different philosophy. With single family, I do have the same. With uh, commercial, I want to leverage up to about 70% loan okay. value. And then I want to let that pay down to somewhere just north of 50% and then refi it again. And that cash I pull back out, um, I want to deploy it into another property. Also, the cash you pull back out on refis is tax-free. True. So uh, I like getting cash that I don't get taxed on. It's rare. So look, I think it makes sense at some point to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Just not any time soon. Well, it's also different with single family versus Correct. Uh, multifamily. Single family is very dependent on the properties around it and their value. And then it's not, it's hard to affect or increase rent above rent. With uh, multifamily, you have some other opportunities to do that mm -hmm. that you don't have with single family. Uh, things like parking and um, late fees, laundry. There, there's kind of this, little pool of other stuff you can okay. do to bring more money in. And um, you lose a lot of that with SFR. Not completely. Um, good property managers can still do some of it. But um, there, there's some advantages to, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. One thing I don't like about multifamily is you can't sell a unit. You got to sell a Well, that's true. <laughs> with a home, like when I have, when I, I can just sell a home. If I need to sell a home, and they're also very liquid, they trade quickly. Um, I can typically get a home sold in 60 days. Sure. Like from, hey, I think I want to sell this to getting the money on it. With an apartment complex, probably more like 120 to 150 days. Uh, you should have longer escrow periods and things. So pluses and minuses to both. Has that shortened at all because the because there is a big desire for, for multifamily right now? Yeah, there is. But they're also, it's also like, just like SFR, it's kind of fallen off a cliff since okay. last year with uh, trading overall. Um, you can expedite it, but typically when you expedite things in real estate, you, you, you give up total like proceeds you're gaining. Right. So it's like, if you want something to get done quicker, you're usually going to get a little bit less. Correct. Money. Yeah. If you're willing to just wait it out, do it traditional, normal way, you can usually get a little bit more money. And, um, 
that's typically how I try to sell. I try to exit everything in that method yeah. that I can and enter everything in a quick transaction, um, helping someone out of their bad position. So anyways, so with these other ones, like your call anyone or, or whatever, how are you funding them? Are you using, are you using like your personal name to get them funded? Yes. You are. So you're no, using Phantom Friends. Series LLC, but um, initially, yes. The LLC has no credit or no, yeah. There's nothing in there. So um, I am personally financing all of the deals. Yes. And you, so are you using like a small bank or using a mortgage broker and you're buying it like in your, like the loan is a personal loan or is it a commercial loan? No, it's a personal loan. And up until this last one, I was using a credit union. Mm, okay. And I, actually that's at the advice of my, I talked to my escrow officers because do you know how, who knows the be, where the best rates are? Yeah. You're asking. Yeah. They see rates every day going through. Every day. Very helpful. And so, okay, Kelly, where's the best rate today? Yeah. <laughs> she can tell me. So. Yeah. So some advantages of, of being entitled is you get to see, um, you probably get to see a lot of deal flow and a lot of deals that like fall out for whatever reason that you yes. could grab up. Um, you're also seeing uh, rates and banks and, and how everybody operates before you start doing business with them. So there's a wholesaler you wanted to buy from. Correct. You could get you 10 deals with them without doing any deals with them. Correct. You know, which is a huge advantage. It is a huge advantage. Um, and then you're, so you've, you've got a banking advantage, you've got a deal advantage. Um, how about the contractors? How did, how did you kind of solve that problem? You know, it's, I think it was just luck, honestly, Lance, because I had a contractor that was referred to me uh, by a friend because I needed to paint my living room in my own home. And then there was another project and then there was another project. And then I asked him if he had a plumber and then I asked him if he had, you know, whatever subcontractor that I needed. And it didn't take long to figure out that he had resources for anything that needed to be done remodeling. He's we've had a good relationship with him. He's always responsive to me. And so it just kind of, like I said, unfolded. You know, I Actually, think I got, just got lucky. Yeah. yeah. And so I hire him. For all of my remodel jobs, he has a template. I do the same thing in all the houses. White walls, you know, the yeah. brownish gray luxury vinyl, mm -hmm. same kind of countertops. I mean, it's a template, right? It's yeah. not like a flip. Yeah. So you can have a template for it. Yeah, it's great. And so it. he does all of them. So you've got your contractor and you just kind of fell into him. You know which banks to use because you see the rates happening and the, the financing and how, how the bank works mm -hmm. uh, when you're doing these transactions for other investors. And then, um, are, did these deals come from wholesalers, from the MLS, from both? From um, so I, one of the things that I feel like I excel in is networking and connections. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I need something, I start asking for referrals. And so that's, that's how I built my business. And that's how I built this. Uh, I had, let's see, one, two, two of them were off market. One of them I had already owned. The Sherman one was... That one, that one I went against my religion for, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the MLS, top, top of the market, multiple offers, and I was the highest bid. Wow. And that is against my religion. Yeah, as I said, that's ballsy. It was painful yeah. <laughs> to go through that process because, you know, it's not really something, I was very clear that that wasn't something I was going to do. That's not in the best interest of investors, right? That's yeah. what buyers do. Yeah. And so, but because of what I knew was coming to Sherman, I just really didn't want to pass up that opportunity. And I was willing to take a short-term hit for the longer-term game. Yeah. But that off-market, off-market, yeah, I mean, I, all of them were off-market except for the one in Sherman. Yeah. Uh, I, I buy the same way. I mean, I buy everything off-market. And I'm also a big believer in Sherman Denison. I've mm -hmm. been buying 
I think I've got about 30 doors up there and then I have an apartment complex just north in Durant and that whole corridor is just seeing tremendous, tremendous growth. And uh, from the looks of it, it's going to keep seeing tremendous growth for the next couple of decades. Yeah. So um, anything we can get on now there is it's not a bad time. Well, and it's still affordable. Totally. I mean, that's the problem with inside the bubble of DFW is things are becoming no longer affordable. There's no meat on the bone for investors. Money's too expensive. And so what is the answer for an investor? It's off market, first of all. Yeah. Um, and shaking out the deal, do really re- being diligent about running your numbers and making sure that you can make a profit out the house. But we're all going further and further and further out. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> Metroplex is also going further and sure. further out. So it's kind of like those things are happening together. Like when you go up to Sherman now, I mean, they're spending probably $100 million on the freeway up Blue there. Blew my mind. Um, and, and the whole way up, there, there's all these things that you can feel the infrastructure is coming in because- I mean, with Texas Instruments, they're spending, I think it's one of the largest construction projects on the planet. Oh, yeah. Um, like it's $30 billion. Yeah, it's planet. ridiculous. Uh, and it's essentially going to replace Taiwan Chinese chip manufacturing in that this is going to be one of the biggest plants in the world to produce these things. And, um, you know, they jumped on all the grants at the right time when we saw the pain during 2020. And now they're going gangbusters up there with it. And so, they're not the only one. Oh, no, not even close. And then the industry that's going to have to be there to support it is going to be massive as well. So, well, I think that's something that gives us a, an edge also is that we're so plugged into what's happening. Yeah. Real estate trends, where real estate is moving to, where what is happening within the market. I know I have a, com- a, a competitive edge over some other investors who are not daily in real estate like I am mm-hmm. to obtain properties and figure out what's going to happen next with some predictive, yeah. you know. 100%. Some predictive thought process because you stay plugged into what's happening, right? Yeah. So Helps you obtain property. Let's talk more about the the title side of things. So when, um, so you have, explain your title business a little bit, if you would. Let's start there. Uh, title in general or my operation? Your, your operation. Okay. So I am, my title is the director of Collin County Sales. I've been, I actually, this month is my five-year anniversary of lawyer's title. Oh, congrats. Thank you. And um, so I, my home base is at the Star. We have an office at the Star, and people love that because you know that's where the Cowboys yeah, are, it's right? To go there, super fun. And then we have, I have to, I always have to count <laughs> six escrow officers. Am I right about that? Kelly's looking. Kelly's behind me right now. I'm pretty close. Um, we've had some additions to the group, and we've had some changes to the group. So. Um, I feel like that our team is the best, and that we are. Um, fully capable of taking care of our clients and making sure people are happy. And, you know, that's the two biggest parts of my job are client retention and then bringing in new opportunities. So my escrow team, they do all the contract to close. That's yeah. what their job is. <laughs> so once the contract's signed, um, yeah. someone come to you guys, give you a contract. Yes. You guys go through the work to make sure that the Schedule C is cleared out, which mm-hmm. is um, like ownership information, basically. Yep. Um, Make sure all the liens are paid off. Yes. Make sure everybody gets their money. Make sure the insurance is in place in case anything did get missed anywhere. The buyer's protected, seller's protected. Correct. Um, anything else that you guys do that I'm missing? Well, there's a lot of interest cases. Yeah, there's a lot of close. Um, you know, obviously our job is to sort through and make sure that when the property transfers, it's it can transfer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the short, very, very short answer, right? And then get to the closing table so everybody can celebrate and move on to the next opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so me personally, I've 
bought and sold tons of property and uh, I've worked with some of the best title companies and I've worked with some of the less, uh, how do you say it nicely? Um, some of the title companies that aren't as concerned with legality and sure. with things being done in a uh, procedural manner. And, um, and when I've done that and made those exceptions, not every time, but several times it ended up in a lawsuit mm-hmm. where uh, I've had instances where title has actually funded, like uh, there was a wholesaler involved and title funded the wholesaler without funding the seller, without the seller signing all the docs. And the seller never did sign all the docs. So they actually had to, we had to do a title claim, took a year, uh, it was a huge pain in everybody's butt and the title company just screwed up royally. And I've had multiple instances of things like that happening. So I will advocate for a title company that's going to have your best interests in mind, that's going to try to do everything uh, procedurally and correctly. Um, If you are willing to sacrifice that to save a buck, um, you might save a buck on the deal, but if you do more than one deal, um, you could end up losing on that deal. But if you didn't do more than one deal, eventually that will catch up with you and you will get sued and you will have to deal with all of the fun that comes along with that. So picking your title company, I would say is probably top two most important things. The number one most important thing is picking your deal. And next most important thing is probably picking your title company and then your bank. Like those are the three really, really important pieces. Next is probably your contractor. Mm. Um, but if, you're, if your title's screwed up, it's going to stop everything behind that. The bank won't fund. Uh, contractor, you're not going to want the contractor to do work because you may not end up with the property. Like we have property that title's been messed up on actually right now that's just sitting and we paid cash for it. And so I've got a million dollars sitting in property that's doing nothing for me because title issues have happened. So what she's saying and how she's talking about title is very important to uh, investors so that you can actually do the investments. If title isn't conveyed correctly and you don't have a clean deed, no bank will touch you. They can't. It's in their it's in their bylaws that they cannot finance that, and no bank will. And most hard money lenders won't either if they're worth anything. And if they will fund it, they're going to charge you ten points and twenty percent interest because it's super high risk. So because the the risk has to has to reflect the reward. So just kind of like a second mouth to yeah. stuff you're doing and saying, very important. So well, like the the two the two entities within that transaction can help break it are the title company and the lender. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we're all not working in tandem and working together to try to get to the end goal, which is the closing tra- table, right? Then that is how deals fall apart. Yeah. And so, and look, there are a lot of, and, and I'm I'm going to make it very clear, I'm not a licensed escrow officer and I'm not a licensed attorney. Okay, so I'm going to be very limited in how much I say today because I want to make sure that I um I have people that speak in these very detailed um, areas of escrow and and contract to close. And and I'm very good at staying in my lane and making sure that I defer to the experts that I have at my disposal to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm, you know, we're all on the same page and saying what we're supposed to be saying. But, you know, it is our job and some of these deals can be very tricky, right? There's a lot of liens. There's payoffs that need to happen. You know, there's people that are no longer with us on title. And yeah. so- and look, if you don't catch the errors, you know, catch all the errors and someone comes back later, that could also be an issue, right? So there's it, it, the, the importance of having a a very strong escrow officer and a very strong lender. I can't emphasize enough how important that is to the success of your transactions. 100%. So if you're going to get into real estate investing or if you're already doing it, you probably know the importance of a good title company. Make sure you have one. Um 
So how do you grow your title business? Like what, what are the fundamentals to growing that business and, and what can cause title companies to like go under or to fail? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, it's lack of success for whatever reason, right? Anybody fails for a lack of success, lack of being able to be successful, whether it's not successfully keeping your clients because you're not successful in the, in closing the deals or, you know, it's not, it's, it's someone's not holding up their end of the game, right? They're, they're part of, of what's happening in the transaction or long-term with the relationship, but how to build business, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to market a business, right? And I've been in real estate for 15 years now. This is my third company within real estate. Um, I've always been an affiliate. I've never been on the realtor or broker side, uh, except for I had a short stint as a recruiter and I did not enjoy that. Uh, I am a, I have been a licensed realtor, but I've never done a transaction. So I've always been on the affiliate side of business. And with my previous companies, um, it was more prey and spray opportunity, right? You go in, you do a large sales presentation, and you capture orders when you're walking out the door. However, the title and lending relationship with the client is so intimate. It has to be a one-on-one relationship, right? It is very much intimate relationship building staying with your clients, making sure you're helping them with their needs. It's not large presentations. Those don't work. Now, there is a place for that because marketing has a place everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? But as far as client building client relationships, it is very much an intimate uh, relationship and it's more one-on-one. I, at this point, work by referral. Um, I don't cold call anymore, but I'm just at a place in my career where I know a lot of people I've built a good, I've been very blessed in building a really good reputation. And also my escrow team works very diligently to help maintain that relationship. So that is a big partnership, right? It's me and my escrow officers. Mm -hmm. So we work so hard together and I pick escrow officers that are going to represent our clients well, right? Um, Because otherwise, again, that intimate relationship starts to break down and we're not longer able to keep the business. So I do a lot of one-on-ones, I, but I've also moved a lot into social media because, again, I go back to marketing does have a place, okay? Yeah. And my place, the place to be to market is video on social media. 100%. So the podcast, coming here, doing things like with this with you, I've had other interviews that are outside of my podcast. And so those opportunities have um, really built our visibility on the biggest platform you could ever build visibility on. Yeah, totally. I like that. <laughs> it's a good plan. So where's where are you trying to go with the business? What's the like what's the next year couple of years look like for for lawyers title? For lawyers title, um, you know, obviously we're in a down market right now and everybody is it, it becomes e- even more important to take care of your your clients and the people who have been loyal to you, right? And so um we are you know, are trying to continue to grow our office. We're looking for talent. We're always looking for talent. We always have to be looking for talent. Mm-hmm. So, but finding it is extremely important to me anyway, that it, that person do business the right way, has the ability to partner successfully to gain and retain clients. And then also is a, a, a culture fit yeah. for our team, because we both know that the wrong pick is can destroy the culture of yeah. an office. Um, so culture fit is also extremely important, right? Lawyers title, we're the best. So you find so people. Those people. 
Are you finding these people through social media as well, your talent? Um, I'm not specifically trying to recruit because we have. You have enough. We have people for that actually focus on oh, recruiting. Okay. Um, but if someone were to hear this and is looking for an opportunity, then that's part of what leveraging social media does, right? You put out the word yeah. on a platform. I mean, I have 5,000 realtor friends. My whole Facebook page, except for maybe 10 people, are all real estate professionals. Yeah. You know, IG, same thing. YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel. So everything that I, all my social media platforms, when you put something like this out and you're asking for a request, I mean, it's the largest platform there is. So uh, any kind of opportunity can come from doing these things and being on social media. Totally. I've, we've found some great people for our organization through social media. Have you? Yeah, it's been, it's, and that's actually been a big factor for me wanting to spend the energy and time and money to podcast and do these different social media efforts is to find talent. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of talent out there and especially right now, like you're, you mentioned earlier, it's a down market. So one thing that happens in a down market is just things get shaken up. Like I remember last year when we were starting to hire uh, for our company and starting to grow our companies, uh, our company from an employee base uh, perspective. I mean, I talked to so many mortgage offices that were going out of business and title companies that were going yep. out of business. I mean, it was a bloodbath for about six months uh, from last, I would say June, July through the end of the year, just a bloodbath. And so there's a lot of talent available out there, but it they're not all looking on Indeed for a job. You know, Some of them right. are just sitting at home depressed, scrolling on social media. And I uh, found some really good talent that way, actually. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a big believer in it as well and finding opportunity through it. I've found deals through social media. Actually, I went before before we went live, we were talking through some deals we've done recently, and I just bought an apartment complex in McKinney. Yep. Found it on Facebook. Did you really? Well, yep. Found it on Facebook. Interesting. $83,000 a door in McKinney. Was it in one of the private face investor private um, Facebook groups or that's a great question. I have no clue. Okay. It just all mole, you know, like it all just flows together and what sure. I see. Sure. So I didn't look at where specifically I saw it, but that's, that was the genesis of the deal. Reached out, was on the phone with them 30 minutes later, made an offer an hour later, had contract signed the next day and closed 40 days after that or so. Perfect. Days. Love it. Yep. So I, I agree with you. Social media is very powerful. It's, uh, and I know a lot of people feel like it's super filled out and everything, but I feel like it's also, in a lot of ways, still in its infancy. If you look at TikTok five years ago, it was almost non-existent. Oh, yeah. It was like teenage girls What's dancing. TikTok around in five years ago? Five years ago, it was. 2018, okay. it was around. Okay. But um, I got on it in 2019, and it was just, there wasn't a lot of information on there. It was yeah. mostly just funny stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's very, it's evolved very quickly. Very, very quickly. quickly. And it has a ton of like super applicable information. I'm like, man, I don't even know why anyone would go to college and anymore. And I learn things all the time. Okay, random fact. Okay, TikTok I watched last night. Yeah. Did you know that the Egyptians building the pyramids were on the earth at the same time as the woolly mammoths? I didn't know that. <laughs> they didn't mention that in history class. Why that one random thing stick in my head? Yeah, it's crazy. TikTok is It is unbelievable. Yeah. How much you can see, good, bad, or <laughs> just information, pure yes. information about yeah. everything from every um, like angle. Yeah, is, like everything seen, everything you learn is learned through a perspective. Yeah, but the amount of perspectives on a given topic topic that are available on TikTok is crazy. And look, I I refuse to let my realtor friends in on my TikTok because you guys get my YouTube, my Facebook, and my IG, mm -hmm. but my TikTok is for me. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so. 
I have never posted a video. I'm the greatest stalker on TikTok. Uh -huh. my, I've got my algorithm set so it's feeding me all the things I want to see yeah. and none of the things I don't want to see. That's awesome. See, so. um, I love you realtors, but you can't have my TikTok. Amen. <laughs> so um, sounds like you have a pretty good like handle on real estate investing in general. What, as far as your own investments go, do you have any plans? I mean, right now it's tough. To invest oh yeah i'm out right now <laughs> yeah i feel like uh what do they call it they say pencils are down right i know now. i feel uh -huh. like so many investors it's pencils down yeah not looking at new deals there's a lot of like optimizing people's current portfolio yeah making sure it's working but there's not a lot of acquisition going on well also my funds are trapped right because they're all hit 3.5 yep. and below so yeah. and that's the that's the common problem for any seller yeah he's gonna mess any, with that you know any refi yeah mm -hmm. so as far as future plans are concerned um i also um you know i hate to feed into this because we keep trying to coach our realtor clients to coach their buyers that they shouldn't be afraid of the market but for me it's the instability of also the the interest rates they keep going up right and every time they go up well that eats into any erodes any kind of opportunity right money yeah. is too is too expensive uh, so I don't know how long I'm also rebuilding funds right now, uh, because I'm a single female and I personally do all of this by myself. Yeah. Um, and this is not my primary source of income, mm -hmm. right? I have to still go be an awesome title girl every day, title rep every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> yet. I have a lot of research to do. Um, but what I would like to do is buy a another, I like the multi-unit. Mm-hmm product uh, i have one duplex both sides it's my little unicorn cash cow yeah and but also what i really like about it is if there's no tenant in one side i'm still having all my bills paid by the tenant on the other side yep. right so you hedge your bets with two tenants mm -hmm. and so for me it w i'm more interested in um multi like a multi-unit product um, my idea is something under 10 units next whether that's six four out of eight i don't know and it's going to be a minute, you know, it's going to be a minute. So before uh, we were talking through this a little bit before we got going, and one of the things that we were talking about was agency debt. So uh, what that is, so it, it's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, I think I'm saying that right. They're the two big like government subsidized lenders. They're the, who lend on FHA homes for all those first time home buyers. Um, they help with VA loans. That's how they VAs get 100% financing is through Fannie Freddie. So Fannie Freddie, they'll lend on one to four units with a first time home buyer product. Fannie Freddie also lends on um, multifamily products. So there's some requirements. You said you wanted 10 units-ish. Uh, under 10. Under 10. Whatever that looks so like. So you might wanna be a little careful. So one thing that I learned that's really important with Fannie Freddie financing, which is the best financing typically you're gonna find on a 10 unit type product is it's important that it's five units. It's important that it's a minimum of a $1 million loan. Okay. So you have to spend over a million dollars. If you're under a million dollars, you cannot get the Fannie Freddie product, even if it's a com if commercial property, five units or more. Okay. But let's say you bought it in like, I don't know, White Wright, Texas. Right. It's five units was $250,000. Got it. You can't. You can't. I mean, it should cash flow wonderfully for you. Yeah. But you cannot get that agency debt. You're going to be stuck with small bank debt. Okay. And that agency debt is just, it's a, it's a much better, it's a much better rate. It's a much better term. <laughs> it makes uh, financing for these larger projects super viable, even right now um, in this climate. So 
Um, just a couple of things that I've learned recently in doing my research for the properties we're working on getting agency debt on. Um, well, and I would love to pick your brain. I mean, this is a whole different podcast. Yeah, right? it's a whole different subject. So we're going to have to do another one. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it's me learning about commercial investing. Yeah. I'm uh, like, as far as like, there's, if we were to level it out, like level one to level 10, uh, level 10 being these guys who have a thousand doors and you've done this, bought and sold tons of multifamily. I'm like a level two and a half or three. I'm okay. just learning. But um, uh, I am actively doing it. Yeah. So I'm learning it quickly as I go through it. Well, and that and is how you learn the best is to actually is how, yeah. dive in and, mm -hmm. you know, come hell or high water, you're going yep. <laughs> to figure out and make it work, right? Yep. I'm a big burn the boat kind of guy. <laughs> like, you just jump in and do it. And I'll figure it out. And I always do. But uh, definitely, you know, school hard knocks. It's sure, been my schooling. But look, you can go. Okay, so I was having a conversation after I did an investment panel with a um, someone who wanted to start investing. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, I've read this book and read this book and read this book and read this book and watched this podcast and looked at YouTube, all of this stuff, all this research about investing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so when are you going to buy a property? Yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day, look, the best learning is when you go through the process. I have learned, and look, I understand that it's really hard for people. It's a big financial risk. I'm more comfortable because this is what I'm in every day, right? Than someone who is not inside of real estate every yeah. day, right? So I understand the hesitation, but your true learning is going to come from the experience. 100%. Okay? Yeah. Now, look, I'm not the biggest book reader on the world. I, I, I can read, obviously, but um, I enjoy podcasts much more uh, because I can listen to it and drive. I know there's audiobooks, but I like podcasts and I like real world experiences. But I also really enjoy not being the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah. I always want to, I never want to be the smartest person because that is how you learn is by talking to people and sharing experiences, just like we're doing right now. Yeah. And then going and doing it. I mean, I feel like you need enough information to understand what you're doing, but you don't need enough information to understand every aspect of what you're doing. There's no way. It's impossible. You have to just do it. And so, uh, like, for me, I listened to a bunch of stuff and and uh, while I was at a job, and then I just kind of quit, started doing it. And from the time I quit, I quit in October 3, 2015. It was the day my son was actually born. And I was like living in McKinney and I had to work driving around Fort Worth and Denton, which it's all in DFW, but that's like- That's far. That's far. <laughs> it's very far. It's far. And I didn't want to be away from my young son that much. And so that was October. And in January, I started doing direct mail marketing. February, I got four properties under contract. March, I assigned those four properties mm -hmm. and made a hundred grand in a month. And I was like, yep, I'm in. This is it. And yep. I just kept going from there. And I haven't looked back. It's been more doing it. But when I was doing it, I had no clue what I was doing. None whatsoever. Like, I am super lucky it all worked out. I'm super lucky I didn't get sued. I'm super lucky <laughs> I was at, like, I didn't do anything that was that should have gotten me sued, but like, sure. I just went and found a random title company yeah. that had no investment yeah. anything. Like, they were a retail through and through and McKinney sure. title company. They were not looking for investors. They'd take my deals because sure. you don't take my deals, right? Well, then but, they can do them well. Yeah, they does not. No, they didn't. They couldn't. But they got them done and nobody, like, everything, there was title insurance, everything was done correctly. But the efficiency that was lost, yeah. I mean, just like pass-through closings, things like sure. that, just 
I had to go and find bridge funding and all this stuff and pay points. And like when that would double close, it was like full on double closings. I paid title insurance twice. I paid escrow fee, everything twice. And it was super expensive. Now it's like, if I want to double close, it's like, okay, we're going to work out a deal here where sure. I'll double close with y'all, but we're not paying two title insurances. We're not, we're going to pay two, three escrow fees and not four. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I work it out. So it, yeah, it costs 500 or a thousand dollars to double close instead of this was costing me probably percent and a half plus a percent and a half to double close. It was expensive. Expensive. So just lessons like that that I learned. Well, but also I think one thing to pay attention to is if a title company tells you something is illegal. Okay. Because sometimes it is illegal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but also sometimes they're saying that because they don't understand wholesaling. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I've heard, you know, pass-throughs are illegal. Double closes are illegal. Those things are not illegal. They're, they just don't understand how to do them and or their company doesn't want them to do them and or, <laughs> you know, they just, they don't have the experience. Yeah. Right? I mean, they can be illegal. You do them wrong. Well, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so if you do it wrong. Yeah. But... So they don't know how to do it. And so for them to do it, it would become illegal because yes. they would mess well, it up. Right. Okay. So yes, like I've, yeah. I've had experiences okay, like that, you know. <laughs> You know, where it's like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Then I, like, look at docs. I'm like, you can't do this. Yeah. Like, you know, so, um, no, you're absolutely right. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for you to get into uh, a little bit bigger investing. The more I've gotten into it, the more I'm like, yeah, I like this. It also is nice. My favorite thing about commercial is that it operates pretty much Monday through Thursday and, like, 10 to noon on Friday. Okay. And other than that, everyone's like, leave me alone. Yeah. Which is very nice because I like weird. those hours. It's real estate. <laughs> yeah, it's not. In, in residential real estate, every weekend is oh, when yeah. you work the most. And you have a little bit less intense time on mm -hmm. the, during the weeks. But yep. the weekends when you're super busy with commercial, it is a ghost town on the weekend. There's no one available. Like, if you're calling people, you're getting voicemails, and they'll call you back Monday. Well, and, like, some of the, you know, I, this is a TikTok video I saw you know, about the best investment opportunities. And they also mentioned, which we, you know, have talked about before, uh, laundromats and storage unit, uh, storage yeah, facilities, -storage. right? Mm -hmm. I think you looked at, didn't you look at a storage facility in Lubbock or something? Uh, it was somewhere? in Longview. Yeah. Longview. Oh, it was yeah. close to the L. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I like self-storage, but for me, I just felt more comfortable in multifamily because I already had a bunch of single family. So the transition for management and just knowing all the little tricks and, and sure. idiosyncrasies of the business, I already had something of a handle on. And then I also have a huge just belief in housing that we don't have enough in the U.S., but especially in DFW, we have a huge housing shortage. And I have fear around office space because of COVID. I have fear around retail because of Amazon, um, but I don't have any fear around housing like that ain't going away. I get that. Like the number one most important thing for a human is water. Well, the number two is sleep. And you need somewhere comfortable to sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can live longer without food. You can live longer. I mean, air, I guess, is really number one. Air, <laughs> water, sleep. <laughs> food is not even in the top three. <laughs> food is number four. Like, and think about how crazy people get without food for a day. Mm -hmm. So it's like if housing is that important, it's a safe space. Space, eh, safe space for me to invest. I know someone will always need it. There's subsidies for it. Too. Yeah. So you I'm just super comfortable with, with it. Yeah. I may get into self-storage at some point because it is a phenomenal business. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to manage from anywhere. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of automation that can be uh, infused into it. There's a lot of good side for self-storage. I just haven't done any yet. Yeah. The right deal comes up. I'm sure I'll end up buying one eventually. Maybe you'll find one on Facebook. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Facebook and driving for dollars. Great way to yeah. find deals. Oh, yeah.
But um, yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much Thanks, for coming Lee. on today. Um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, as long as you know how to spell my name, you can find me on all my well, social media platforms. Your name is in here, yeah. so it's like going to be the t- part of the title of the podcast. Yeah. Um, but you've got your podcast, right? Yep. And all your socials. What's your socials? Mm-hmm. How do we find you on social? Spell my name. That's Everything it. Everything's my name. That's great. <laughs> That's the nice thing about having a unique name. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, very. Yeah, it's just my name. name. That's how you find me. Right. I've got a podcast on YouTube called The Closing Table. And then uh, you can't find me on TikTok. So just keep that in mind. I'm too busy. Yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh-huh. But no, I'm on all the social media platforms. And we do have a website as well, which I'm listed on. And so is my escrow team. So I'll make sure that you guys have that look great. website. Thanks so much. Thanks for watching the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lance Wakefield. And until next time. Thanks, guys.